Good morning, Connection. How are we doing? All right? Eh, that was, that was all right. We're going we're gonna to try it again, just get a little bit more energy this time because we're excited to be in church because Jesus is risen. So again, Connection, we doing all right this morning? Yeah? All right. Well, my name is John, and I actually serve as one of the pastors down in our Statesboro campus. Um, here at Connection, we have five different campuses, of course, here in Dublin and then in Statesboro. And then we also have one in Vidalia, Millen. And our most recent one is in Pooler, Georgia. And uh, they just started at, um, in January. And they're actually having their first Sunday morning service. Um, actually, as we speak, um, they've been meeting on Sunday evenings. And so we're excited to see what God's doing down in Pooler. And just really excited to see what God's doing across all of our um, different campuses. I was looking back at some numbers here specifically in Dublin. And since y'all started last January, there have been 63 people who have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior just in the past year and a couple months. Yeah. And then we've also seen about 40 people that have gone public with their faith through baptism. And so that's also incredible. Hopefully we're going to see some more next week. Um, but I look at that and that's like, that's, that's nuts, people. Like, that is crazy to see that that many people, that God is moving that much in this community. And so from afar, from down the stage, we're being able to witness what God's doing in Dublin has been absolutely incredible. Y'all have a great team here. Um, of course, I know y'all haven't seen um, Buck up here on the stage for several weeks now. And uh, one of the things we wanted to, to, to share in that is that a lot of times um, ministry um, can be tough. Ministry can take its toll on people. And one of our core values here at this church that we kind of have internally with our staff, um, one of those core values is people first. And what we mean by that is that to us, our staff and, 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 and you as a congregation, y'all are far more important for who you are rather than what you do or what you bring to the table. And that there's, when we look at Buck and we look at the past year and a half for him, um, he, he starts a campus, moves to a brand new um, town that he hadn't been in for a couple of years, sends two kids to college and has a baby and sees God move in such an incredible way um, over the, the, the course of that time that we look at that and we realize that that probably is going to lead to some stress. That's probably going to lead to just being overwhelmed. And, and we recognize that in people at different times. There's been times that many of our staff have gotten to that point where we, it's just obvious that, man, they need to step back and just get some rest, just be able to spend that time um, with their family and get ref, just get poured into again. And so that's what we've done with Buck is we've said, Buck, we see that you um, have just got a lot going on. You're feeling um, the pressures. And so we want to come alongside of you. And the great thing about having one church in many locations is that we're not all by ourselves. Buck's not by himself. This staff is not by themselves. You all as a congregation are not by yourselves because there is a much larger body of Christ within Connection Church. And then, of course, the larger body of Christ, which is the entire church. And I believe that our call as the body of, of Christ is to bear one another's burdens. That's what Scripture commands us to do. So I think one of the ways we're able to do that is to come alongside people and care for them and say, you know what, we're going we're gonna to minister to you. Because Buck, each and every week that he gets up there, as y'all know, he gives it every single single thing that he has, right? He's like the Energizer Bunny up here. And every single week, he gives it every single thing that he has. He has been pouring out and pouring out and pouring out. And we decided, you know what, Buck? It's time for you to get poured into. We want to give you some rest. I was actually talking with him last night, and I said, Buck, I don't even want you to come to church today. Just stay home with Carly. Be with that precious baby of yours and just enjoy some time with family. So because for, for connection, putting people first is very important to us. That's our priority, far more than what somebody does 
those up here on that stage. And so that's, we love Buck. We love what he is doing. And um, I just love what's going on in his heart right now. Um, just continue to pray for, for him so he can get that rest. Pray for this, um, this staff. Y'all have an incredible staff that serves here. And um, it's just awesome to do ministry with them. And so that's kind of where we're at um, with that. Um, but just continue to, to, to pray through that. And I just believe that the best is still yet to come for here in Dublin and um, all that God has in store for us. Um, as Brittany said, today is Palm Sunday. And what that means is that's the Sunday that comes before Easter. And it basically is recognizing the day that Jesus entered into Jerusalem. The, way, the, the day that he, he came in there and he came in there on, on a donkey, he came in there, kind of had a lowly standard. But basically Jesus... He comes in knowing that he's about to be put to death. And so he went into this town willingly, knowing what was about to happen. So it's a day that we look at and we realize of Jesus' willingness to go to the cross for us. So it's a pretty incredible day. And obviously it is leading us up to next week being Easter, where we get to celebrate the resurrection. Because that is what changes Christianity from any other religion, is the fact that our Savior was actually raised from the dead and that he's not in the grave um, any longer, that he is risen and he's living in each one of us. And so it's going to be an incredible day um, next week, as Brittany said. Um, again, we get to celebrate baptisms. Please be thinking about some people that you can bring um, next week. I believe that God's going to do something pretty powerful next week. We're going to be um, showing a testimony, and it's, it's going to be a story of God moving in somebody's life um, in such an incredible way. And I believe it's going to be one of the most powerful stories we've ever shown before. And so you are not um, going to want to miss next Sunday. Bring somebody new. Again, as Jeremy said, as we've said, there's some more seats to be filled. Um, there's more people in this community that need to know Jesus. We're not going to stop with 63. We're going to continue um, reaching this community um, for Jesus. Um, it also means that today is the last day of this series that we've been in called The End of Me, where we've been looking at what it looks like to come to the end of ourselves, that we know that as Christians, that Christ must increase and that we must decrease. And so how do we come to that point where we can come to the end of ourselves? And I don't know about you, but as I've been listening to these messages, they've been pretty challenging, right? This has been a pretty in-your-face type series. I know I was listening to Jeremy's message last week, and man, he was, he was pressing in on y'all. And so I know that y'all felt that. I know that you've probably felt challenged. But one of the things that I want to tell you is that when you come to Connection, when you come in here on a Sunday, I believe that you're going to get two things out of the message. I believe that the messages are going to be challenging, but the messages are going to be encouraging. And what we mean by that is that when we, when you walk in these doors and you walk back out these doors, we want you walking out these doors with your head held high, knowing that you can take another step in your life. That no matter what you came into these doors with, no matter what was going on in your life, that you get poured into by the word, you get poured into by the worship, and you realize, you know what? God's not done. If there's still air in my lungs, clearly it's not in my lungs right now. If there's air still in my lungs, then God is not done. And so that you can believe you can take one more step. But we also want you coming in these doors, realizing that you have to take another step, that you can't remain the same, that being a Christian means that we have got to be challenged in our faith and we don't want you to stay the same. And so each week you're going to come in here and we want to challenge you with the truth of God's words. And sometimes that's uncomfortable. Sometimes that's something that's going to push us a little bit. But we want you to be pushed through love and we want you to be encouraged to know that you can take another step. And I believe the same is going to be true today. I pray that we're going to be challenged in our faith, but we're going to be encouraged by God's word. And so if you will, if you've got your Bible, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 16, and we're going to focus in these um, on verses 24 
and 26. It's going to be up on the screen as well, but I encourage you to follow along in your Bible. And so this is Jesus speaking here, and he's uh, talking to some of his disciples. And this is what it says in verse 24. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Let's pray. Father, we just love you, God, and we thank you for the opportunity to gather in your name, God, for the opportunity to sing to you, God, to, um, God, just to declare how good you are. God, I pray this morning that our worship was pleasing to your ears. God, I don't know where each person is in this room this morning, God, where they're at in their faith, God, where they're at in their personal life, but God, you do. God, you know exactly what they're going through. So I got, God, I just pray that you use these words to speak to each person specifically with where they are at in life. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit, God, just flows through this room. God, that you um, stir hearts, God. And if somebody doesn't know you today, that God, today will be the day of salvation for them. God, I'm thankful for what you're doing in and through this church. And I'm honored to be here, God, to, um, to declare your word, to declare the truth of your word. So God, we just love you. God, and we praise you, and we lift all this up in your son's name. Amen. You know, I was um, thinking about this message and thinking about um, this passage right here, and, and as I read it, um, you know, many of you, you might have actually read that this week. Um, for those that um, are following along in the 412 reading plan, um, that's just our daily reading plan that we have as a church. And this was actually one of the readings that we have this past week on, on Wednesday. So maybe you've kind of gotten a little jump start on this. But I don't know about you when you read that. Um, it's, some, it's some tough stuff to read because it's kind of countercultural a little bit for us to want to deny ourselves and not actually um, have something that we want. And so I wanted to try to figure out, well, why did Jesus tell his disciples this? Why was he telling them that they needed to deny themselves and take up their cross and follow him? What was leading up to that point? And so I want us to, to step back a couple verses and kind of see what was going on here. And back in verse 15, Jesus asked them, He's asking them who basically they um, say everyone says that Jesus is. He's wanting to ask them, who, who are people calling me? What do, who do they think that I am? And so in verse 15, he asked them directly, what, but what about you? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered and he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And so we see Peter step up in a bold way and he declares that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Messiah. And shortly after that, when Jesus hears this, he says, look, blessed are you. And he then tells him a couple of verses later in verse 18, he says, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And so we see this incredible moment when Jesus looks to Peter and he says, Peter, you are my rock. I'm going to build everything on you. I'm going to build my entire church on you. And it was probably this incredible moment for Peter to realize that Jesus is speaking this to him. And how incredible was it that what God was doing in Peter's life? Well, then a couple of verses later, we see 
In verse 21, Jesus begins to let them know what's about to happen. He begins to predict his own death. And so verse 21, it says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. So Jesus is telling them, hey guys, I know it's been good having me here. I know we've been seeing um, a lot of awesome things happen. These miracles happen, but I need to let you know something. I'm about to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer many things, and ultimately I'm going to be put to death. you got to realize for the disciples, this must have been devastating because again, they're fi- fixed on what's going on at the current moment. The, the worst possible news for them would be that the Savior would be put to death. And so we see the same Peter step up and it says that Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. He began to rebuke Jesus. Probably not a good sign, Peter. And he says, never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. And it says, Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. In a matter of eight verses, Peter went from being the rock that Jesus was going to build his entire church on to being referred to as Satan, right? That was a pretty big shift in a short amount of time, wasn't it? And what I realized and what I felt like the Lord was speaking to me in that as I read it is how quickly each one of us can go from being faithful followers of God who have our eyes fixed on Jesus to becoming focused all about us and all about the way we see things and what we think is best. That that can happen like that. And it happened to me yesterday. And if, and if, and if it's okay, I want to kind of confess something to you all. Yesterday I'm up at the church and I'm at the office kind of preparing for this message. Um, no one else was up there and I'm back in my office and all of a sudden I hear um, the buzzer for the front door. And typically people don't come to the church on the weekend. And so I kind of walked up the hallway and kind of peeked out the window um, and saw that it was kind of somebody that looked like, more than likely, um, they might have been homeless. They were kind of probably looking for something. That happens from time to time at the church where we'll have people come in trying to um, see what they can get if they need some money, some food, you know, pay a power bill or something like that. And they started to walk away, and I realized, well, they'll, they'll probably just come back um, during the week. And I turned around, and I took a couple steps because I thought to myself, I, I got to get back to my message. And let me tell you, <laughs> Like, in that moment, it's like, I actually stopped and I said, wow. How quickly I went from, here, I'm digging in, I'm pouring into this message, I'm going to figure out, man, how can I share just Jesus with the people up in Dublin? And all of a sudden I had an opportunity with somebody right in front of me, and I said, no, I don't have time for that. I need to go work on this. How quickly that happened. And I immediately turned around, I opened up the door, I ran back out. And I said, ma'am, I'm so sorry. What, what can I do for you? And it turns out she was actually, um, she'd heard about a church that um, had a soup kitchen every other Saturday. It's actually First Methodist down in Statesboro. They do a soup kitchen for people. And she thought it was this church. And um, I said, no, actually, that's First Methodist. Do you know where that's at? And she said, yeah, I, I do. You know, thank you so much. And I realized, here's this person. They just, they're, they're looking for a warm meal. And I was about to turn my back on them. Maybe that um, I don't know, lowers your, your view of me, and, and that's all right. Um, I don't have it all together, all right? I'm not perfect. I am a work 
in progress, and I still struggle with something. And, and yesterday, the Lord spoke um, pretty strongly to me in that, that I've, I've got some, some growing to do. But I believe all of us do. I believe we all have moments where we take our eyes off of maybe what Christ has designed for us, and we become focused on what's best for me. You know, what's best for me. And so, so when I think about why was Jesus giving them this message, that's why. Because you look at those verses and you see how quickly we can turn from going this direction to going that direction. So Jesus realizes that I've got to give them a way that they can stay focused on this. When we look at this passage, I believe and this is this main verse that we see, I want to break it down into four different parts. The first part in verse 22, he says, uh, for you to come after me. And I want to stop right there. And I want us to think about what it means to come after Jesus. I believe that when we see what Christ has done for us, when we see the sacrifice that Jesus had for us on the cross, most of us, when we come to that understanding, we go, yeah, I want that. Yeah, I want to accept that. I want to receive that. That sounds like a good thing, and I want to be about that. So coming after Jesus most of us who have um, accepted Jesus, we're okay with that. We're going, yeah, I'm on board with that. I'm absolutely 100% on board with that. And then we get to the part where he says that he must deny himself. And immediately that shifts things a little bit. Because it, it goes from us just coming after Jesus and say, yeah, that, that's a good thing. I want that to now I have to deny myself. And the reality is that in our culture, especially Denying ourselves is not really something that we enjoy doing, is it? Right? And if you think about this, if I came to you and I said, hey, look, I have just baked some chocolate chunk, double fudge chocolate chip cookies. They are right out of the oven. They've got the crisp exterior, the gooey inside, and it just so happens that I have a tall, cold, ice-cold glass of milk. And I was just wondering, would you like a cookie? How many people in here would go, nah, I don't need that, right? Unless you're one of those weird like CrossFit people, or you're like, you know, Thomas Bell who used to carry around, you know, the gallon of, of water, right? If you're one of those weird people, most of us are going to be like, give me that cookie, right? Because we're not going to deny ourselves. There's, most of us are not going to go, I don't need that. We're going to take that, right? And the reality is that that's kind of a humorous example, but I believe that most of us, most of our lives, it almost looks very similar to that. Most of us, it's very rare that we want to actually deny ourselves of something that's going to make us feel good, that's going to make us um, satisfied, that's going to give us something that we um, just feel like we're going, to, we're going to want. And so denying ourselves is not something that most of us are used to and most of us prefer. And there's the same truth for these disciples is they didn't want to give up their own desires. And so when Jesus said the words, you must deny yourself, all of a sudden they realized, well, this might be, he might be calling us to something greater than maybe what I was first thinking of. And then Jesus takes it a step further and he says, and to take up his cross, to take up his cross. And for us, maybe that seems like a weird phrase to say, take up your cross. What, what does that mean? For the disciples, it made immediate sense. Because at this time, they, he's referring to this act of crucifixion, right? We know that Jesus was crucified. Crucifixion was just a means of execution, right? And I know this is kind of a shift in the message a little bit, but basically it was a means of execution, just like we have lethal injection or, um, or fire and squad or whatever else. It was a common practice. Jesus wasn't the only one who was crucified. 
And what crucifixion was, it was this horrible, horrible way to be killed where people were whipped and beaten and spit on before they even got to the cross. And then what ended up happening is people were forced to carry their own cross. And what it was symbolizing, it was saying that the very thing that you are going to be killed on, you are having to bear the load of that. You are having to basically own the consequence of this. And so when when Jesus said that you need to carry your cross, what the disciples knew is that it means several different things. It means that it could be that we might have to die for this. It could be that we might have to suffer for this. It could be that we're probably going to have to be uncomfortable because of what Jesus might call us to in our faith. Because carrying your crosses means you're making a commitment to where you're going. When somebody was carrying their cross to their ultimate death, they knew just in the act of carrying that, that their, their death sentence was written, right? And they were having to own that. They were having to say, you know what? I'm in this and I'm forced to, to walk with this. Another versions of this in, in the book of Luke, it talks about how we should carry our cross daily, which means it should be a daily decision, a daily commitment to pursue Jesus no matter what that might mean. And so when the disciples heard this, they realized following Jesus is going to potentially come with a price. And so when Jesus closes that verse and he says, follow me, now the words follow me have a lot more weight. Because now the words follow me is built upon all those other things that Jesus just said in that verse, which means that we are called to deny ourselves to deny what we want and what we desire in order to give what Jesus desires. So the words follow me have a whole lot more weight. Jesus said, follow me multiple times throughout the gospels to multiple people. And when he said that, he wasn't just saying, hey, follow the leader. He was saying, look, following me is going to come with a commitment David Platt is, a, um, is the president of the International Missions Board. He's also written uh, multiple books. Maybe some of you are familiar with him, but he actually wrote a book called Follow Me where he was looking at what did Jesus mean by the words follow me. And David Platt says this in his book. He says, Why are so many supposed Christians sitting on the sidelines of the church, maybe involved in the machinery of the church, but not wholeheartedly, passionately, sacrificially, and joyfully giving their lives to making disciples of an all, all nations. Could it be because so many people in the church have settled for superficial religion instead of supernatural regeneration? David Platt also says, if our lives do not reflect the fruit of following Jesus, then we are foolish to think that we are actually followers of Jesus in the first place. If our lives do not show the evidence and the fruit of following Jesus, of making disciples, then maybe we aren't actually followers of Jesus. And that is a tough thing to hear. And what I want you to hear in this is that is, is our works, the things that we do for the Lord, is that what equals salvation, what earns us salvation? Absolutely not. Salvation is by faith alone. There's nothing that either any one of us can do in and of ourselves in order to earn our salvation. That is a free gift that only Jesus can offer us. However, after salvation comes 
things for us to do in order to grow our faith. There's more to be done in our faith. And that being a follower of Christ means that we have a commitment to make. It means that there are things that Jesus is going to call us to do that sometimes is going to push us outside of our comfort zone. Sometimes it's going to make us deny something that maybe we would want or that we would prefer in order to be obedient to him. And so here's the thing. We can know this scripture and we can know this. And so many of us, we know this about God's word. So why does it so often seemingly not lead to actually change in our lives? And several weeks ago, our pastor down in Statesboro did an illustration. So this is his illustration. It's not mine, but I'm going to steal it because I feel like it um, will really help us kind of get a picture for things a little bit. And so I've got, uh, let me get this stuff together. So this jar right here, this represents us. This represents us as individuals. Um, there's water in this jar that literally fills all the way up to the top. And I kind of put some red food coloring to kind of represent the sin in our lives. Every single one of us in our lives, uh, we all have a certain capacity that we're capable of. And if I asked any of you, hey, do you have room in your life for one more thing? Most of us in here, we could be like, no, my life is as busy as it can be. And it just seems to keep on getting more busy. Most of us are living at that capacity where we can't take on one more thing. And so what ends up happening is we all are living at that capacity. We all are filled to capacity. And then all of a sudden we come to know Jesus and we realize that, wow, look at what Jesus has done for me. And we realize I want some of that. I realize I need Jesus in my life. But here's what we do is we, we receive Jesus, but we have all this stuff in our life and we think, well, let me add Jesus to everything else. Let me add Jesus to everything else that I have. And so what ends up happening is we never really take the lid off of our life. And so we begin adding Jesus on top, but he's not really penetrating our lives. He's there, he can't get in there because we've got the lid on because there's so many other things in our lives that, that there's no room for Jesus, right? Because this idea when you hear in scripture about how if we realize that Christ must increase, we all go, yeah, absolutely, Christ must increase in my life. The only way for Christ to increase in our life is for us to decrease. Because if we don't make room for Jesus, then there's no spot for him to, to, to go. And so I'm going to begin making room for Jesus. And so we begin looking at our lives and realizing, okay, what areas in my life do I need to make more room for Jesus? What, uh, maybe how, my, how I spend my time, maybe how I spend my money, maybe what I'm just doing in my, in my quiet times. We need to create more time. We need to create more margin in my life because I want to be able to fill myself with Jesus. And so we have to begin to continue to examine our lives, to begin to deny ourselves and create more room for Jesus and create more room for Jesus. This is making anybody else need to pee right now. Just me? Okay. So we're trying to make more room for Jesus. And when we're able to do that, we're able to make more room for Jesus. Then here's what happens. Then we're able to actually fill ourselves with Jesus. Now, when we accept Jesus for the first time, we are filled with the Holy Spirit, right? That filling happens. But the thing is, is that it doesn't stop there. When scripture talks about us being filled with the Spirit, it's, it's translated as we need to be being filled, which means it is a continual process. When we eat a good meal, we don't just eat that meal and go, well, I'm good. I don't ever eat, need to eat again, right? No. When we eat something, eventually we're going to get hungry again. It's the same thing with Jesus. When we come and we experience Jesus, then it doesn't stop there. We need to continue to fill ourselves with Jesus. So if this water right here represents Jesus, we've begun to empty ourselves. Now we can begin pouring Jesus into a 
our lives. And what you begin to see that happens is as we begin to pour Jesus into our lives, this water this, 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 that represents us, now it's becoming a lot more clear, right? And so what's going on in our lives is that Jesus is coming in and more of him is being represented in our lives. And so what ends up happening is that we're defined more by Jesus and less about ourselves. So then when we begin to pour ourselves out to others, what we're pouring out is actually more of Jesus and less of ourselves, right? And so what ends up happening is the more we fill ourselves is then not only are we being poured out, is you're seeing that there's an overflow that begins to take place. I ran just out of money, but that would have been a killer illustration if it had begun pouring over. But that's what ends up happening is that do we see, do we understand that if we don't make room for Jesus, then he's just going to fall off the top, right? Jesus is not a part of our life. He has to, to, to be a part of every single aspect of our life. And when he is, then he begins transforming us from the inside out. But are we doing that? Are we creating margin in our life for Jesus to come in and to actually transform us? Here's the reality, church, is that the only way for that to take place is for us to continue to fill ourselves. What it means is that we can't come in here week in and week out and this be all that we do, right? We can't just come in, get filled up and go, okay, I'm good for the week, right? God's word says that we are called to meditate on God's word day and night. God's word says that we should be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. So that means we actually have to do something in our faith. We have to, yes, coming to church is great, but there's more to it. We have a responsibility that we have to bear. So how are we doing with that? How are we doing with creating that margin in our lives? You know, think about that here at this church, we believe that there's four different things, um, four different cultures that should be strong in every church. And when I say church, I mean just the, the body of Christ. That so we believe if these four things are strong, if these four things are evident in someone's life, then it's going to show that they are, they're at a healthy point in their life. Those four things are evangelism, generosity, community, and serving. And what we see in those things is that the the more that we become invested in those things, the more transformed our lives are. So let's think about that. Let's think about even the aspect of generosity. Let's go ahead and rip the Band-Aid off and talk about the thing that nobody wants to talk about, right? Brittany was talking about it earlier. The reality is that most of us don't have a problem with being generous. Even non-Christians enjoy giving to others, right? But we enjoy giving all the up to the point that it actually requires us to give up something, right? Most of us, we don't have a problem giving to somebody else as long as that means I can still get everything that I want, right? That's when it shifts. That's when we go, I don't know. I don't know if I can afford it. I don't know if I can afford to give. What we're saying is I don't know if I can afford it because I don't know if I want to give up this thing that I would have to give up in order to give. Serving. When we, most of us, we enjoy serving other people. Most of us enjoy doing things for other people up until the point that it requires us to actually give up something, up until the point it requires us to get up early, up until the, the point that it requires us to go over to kids and miss a service. 
right? Because we need to go and serve in kids. Most of us are fine with it up until the point that we have to turn off the TV on a Saturday night so we can study some curriculum, so we can pour into children. We're fine with it up until the point that we actually have to give up something. We're fine with it up until the point that means that I might not be able to go to the lake this week, and I might not be able to catch the game because serving is more important. Community. We're fine with having friends. We want people around us. We want to be surrounded with people up until the point that spending time with believers in small groups conflicts with other things we have going on in our lives. We're fine with it until something else comes along that might be more important. We're fine with it up until the point where we say, well, but, but we got the game. We got the, the, the practice for the boys. It, it's a mandatory practice. We, our hands are tied. There's nothing we can do. We're fine with having community up until there's something else that might be better. Or we're fine with community up until the point that somebody around you that loves you, that cares for you, begins to speak truth into your life and begins to say, you know what, there's some things that you probably need to fix in your life. Let's, let's go to Scripture. Let's look at this stuff together. We're fine with it up until somebody begins to tell you the things that you don't want to hear. And then you go, uh, I don't have the time for this anymore. And we begin to pull away from it. Evangelism, we're fine with evangelism. We want people to come to know Jesus. We want the gospel to be preached up until the point that we have to be the ones to share the gospel with somebody else. Because it becomes a whole lot more easy when we're talking to somebody and they say, well, what does it mean to be a Christian? How do I, um, how do I become a Christian? What's the gospel? And we look at them and we say, hey, tell you what, come to church with me and, I, and you can find out. Or come to small group and my connect group leader, they can tell you. Or or come and, and, and hear from somebody else. We're fine with evangelism up until the point that God is asking us to actually speak this to other people. So what do we do with that? How do we actually respond to that? And this is what I see, is that I think so often we get overwhelmed with all of that. And we think, well, that's just, that's just too much. And so what ends up happening is we don't start anywhere. I want us to look at those things again. Look at the aspect of generosity. The common response is, well, I can't give 10%. There's no way I can give 10%. Okay, so start off somewhere else. Give a dollar. Give $5. The point is not about how much you give. It's the condition of your heart. Giving, God wants us to give because, as Brittany said earlier, that money is the number one competitor for our heart. And so what Jesus is saying, he said, look, I'm going to do this to help you because I know that's going to be a competitor. So tell you what, I want you to give me something first, right? I want you to trust me first and then worry about everything else. And so as we begin doing this principle, it shifts from I have to give to wait, I have the opportunity to give and let me see what more I can give. It's not about what can I get or am I taking care of it, but it becomes more about what can I give to others. And our whole perspective, you'd be amazed how much of our lives would shift across the board whenever we begin to honor the Lord with our finances. And again, this is not about the amount. We've had people in this church who have given, written a check for $100,000 and we've had people that have rolled pennies because that was all they had to give. Both of those people sacrificed. Both of those people started somewhere. You can take one step. Serving, you're like, well, I don't know if I can serve in kids. That's, that's, just, that's just way too much. Okay, we got other areas you can serve. There's other things that you can do. You can take one step to serve. I can't do it every single week. We're not asking you to. But if you've been coming here for a while, chances are 
It's time to get plugged in. It's time to be a part of things. And here's the thing. Just as we said earlier, God does not need us to serve. He can accomplish all that he needs to accomplish. In fact, several weeks ago in Statesboro, during our offering, before the message even happened, somebody walked up to the front, Brandon bent, bent down, and the guy says, hey, I need to receive Jesus right now. What Brandon realized right there in the moment is that God doesn't need me. If God wants to speak to somebody and transform them, his, their lives, he doesn't me, need me. God doesn't need us. God chooses to use us. He wants us to be a part of it. He wants us to be a part of it because he wants to bless us through that. And there's, it's not because to try to burden you. It's not try to try to burn you out. It's because God knows in serving and doing that, it keeps our perspective fixed on Jesus. It is something for us, not so that we can get something from you. When you think about community and you think about what, well, I, don't, I don't know anybody. I don't know where to start. You know what you can do today? You can get up, you can walk out these doors, you can go up to Brittany and you can say, Brittany, hey, I'm new here. I don't really know anybody. I think I need to get into a connect group. And she can say, awesome. Let me come introduce you to this connect group leader. And that's it. You take a step. Do you like People generally, do you like food? Do you like Jesus? Okay, well, a connect group is probably going to be a place that you probably want to be. That scripture says that we should not neglect the gathering of the believers, right? We are called to do life with one another. We are called, just as I said earlier, to, to bear one another's burdens, right? So why would we avoid that? Why would we pull away from that? Does that mean that things aren't going to come up and there's not going to be times that you miss group? I don't have perfect attendance in my connect group. There's times that emergencies come up. But am I making it a priority? Am I, am I saying, am I, am I carving out my schedule to say, you know what? My faith is important to me and that means that I'm going to make room in my life for this to take place. For me to have people that are pouring into me, that are encouraging me. And that might mean that I might need to live my life different from the rest of the world. That I might be, need to be willing to deny myself. And that might mean that my child's sports performance isn't going to um, be as good as maybe some other people. Because I realize that I'm going to make a priority for my family. That Jesus is more important than sports. That Jesus is more important than fishing. That Jesus is more important than hunting. That Jesus is more important than the clothes we wear, that any of that, that we're going to intentionally carve out time in our lives to be poured into with others. Evangelism. You say, hey, I don't know how to share the gospel. There's no way I could share the gospel with somebody today. Okay, that's okay. That's fine. But if that's still the case next month, if that's still the case six months from now, a year from now, well, what are you doing? Because here's the thing. Go through the book of Romans. The book of Romans, believe it or not, was actually used by, by Harvard Law School years and years ago to teach them how to convince people of truths. Because it's such a compelling story to be able to teach people the gospel. If you don't know how to walk through the gospel, begin studying it. Begin figuring out what verses should I maybe memorize? What things should I tell people? Because the reality is that the gospel is pretty simple. Right? It's that, that God is holy God, is good, that any one of us, we're separated by God and that we have all fallen short. And so there, there needs to be a sacrifice. There needs to be somebody that can, that can bear on the responsibility of our guilt and our shame. And the only person that could do that would be God's son, would be God himself to take on that. And that's what Jesus did on the cross as he took on the burden of our, of our guilt and our shame. And that if we are able to put our faith and our hope and our trust in Jesus, then we will be saved and we can have eternal life. That this, that's the simplicity of the gospel. Every 
every single one of us, if we take the time to sit down and actually look at that, there's no reason we can't explain it. There's no reason we can't talk about it. Are we going to be theologians? Probably not all of us. Believe me, I'm not a theologian. Just get me to do a message over the Old Testament and maybe try to say some of those words. I can't, all right? It's really, really bad. But the thing is, is that I can start somewhere. The, the idea in all of this, it's not about perfection. It's about progress. Are we taking steps to grow in our faith? Are we just sitting idle? What Jesus is saying in this passage here is he says, look, it requires us to deny ourselves, to follow Jesus no matter what it takes. That means it requires sacrifice. It requires us to actually do something. Now, those are just the things that reside here at the church, but I believe everything else in our life probably falls underneath those things somewhere or another where God is calling us to do something for him. God is calling us to, to give up what we desire in order to make him greater in our lives. I don't know where you're at in that today. I don't know what it is that the Lord's speaking to you, but I believe that there's probably something in your life that you probably need to be willing to give up so that you can create some room, right, in your life for Jesus to come in. Maybe it's just beginning to read the Bible. Maybe it's picking up a reading plan and just starting somewhere. Maybe it's beginning to give for the first time. Maybe it's just beginning to, um, to pray and just to spend time with the Lord in prayer. I don't know where you're at. Maybe today you know you don't know Jesus. You've never denied yourself just the side of recognizing that you can't do it on your own and that you're in need of a Savior. And today is the day that you need to surrender your life to Jesus. And I want to give you that moment to be able to do that. If you know that today is the day that you realize that you need to accept Jesus into your life, you need to make him the Lord and the Savior of life because you've never done that before and you've been putting it off weekend and weekend. I want to give you that opportunity right now. If that's you today, you know today's the day of salvation. You're ready to deny yourself and follow Jesus with everything. I want you to raise your hand. I want to be able to celebrate what God's doing in your life. Is there anyone in here? I know that's scary. I know that's intimidating to do. But I can tell you this, that this body of believers is going to celebrate like crazy to see what God's doing in your life. Is there anyone in here? That's you today. You know that today is the day of salvation. That means, just as Jeremy said last week, that the majority of us in here are, are believers. But just as we read from that passage in David Platt's book, is that we're called to action in our faith. We actually have to do something in our faith. And I, I pray that the Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit begins speaking to you right this second of what it is that you need to make more room in your life for, what it is that maybe you need to begin denying yourself so you can make more room for Jesus. Right now, we're going to um, take part in communion. And communion was a thing that Jesus um, gave to us, gave to the church, gave to believers. This is something that we as Christians do. And the reason we do this is to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. On the night before Jesus was betrayed, he took a piece of bread and he broke it. And he said to his disciples, he said, this is my body broken for you. And then he took the wine, or in our case, the juice, and he said, this is my blood spilled over for you. And what he was saying in this, he's saying, look, I want you to do this to remember what I'm about to do for you. As Christians, this is our moment to slow down in our lives 
to pause for a moment and to reflect back on the cross and the resurrection. Right now, as we get ready to take that, I want us to to pause in our own lives. I want you to spend some time with just you and the Lord, looking at your life. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? And then when you're ready, you'll be able to come up. There'll be some connectors up here um, to take part in communion. The way we do is you'll take a piece of bread, you'll dip it in the juice, and then you'll eat it. If you drop a piece of bread, don't worry. We got more bread. Don't go in after it, right? So we'll do that, um, and then we'll close things out. So let's take a moment. Um, Let's get it with the Lord in prayer, and then you can come and take communion. Let me pray for us. Father, we love you. God, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for the fact that it is living and active. God, I pray for every person that's in this room right now, that God, you speak to them directly with where they're at, that God, you clearly identify the areas in their life that they have not fully surrendered to you that maybe they're following you in some areas, but not in all areas. And I pray that they are able to clearly make some decisions today, that today they, they draw a line in the sand, that things are gonna begin to look different. They're gonna be able to carve more time out of their lives to create more room for you. God, I'm thankful for what you're doing in this body of believers. God, you're not done, and we know that. Thank you for, being, for letting us be a part of this. Thank you for communion. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the resurrection, Jesus. Hallelujah for the resurrection. We love you, God, and we praise you, and we lift this up in your son's name. Amen. Y'all can come as you need to take communion.